great journey today as we launch into this new year. We're going to talk about habits, one of the most important subjects in the world if you really want to change or you really want to grow. But it's a very hard topic to be able to talk about in a way that's compelling and clear and not off-putting and doesn't feel obligatory. So I want to start with words that you might know I carry with me in my wallet. They are very precious to me, old and faded. I've had them for many, many years. One side has typewritten a quote from the author Victor Hugo. My coat and I live comfortably together. It has assumed all my wrinkles. I have many wrinkles. It does not hurt me anywhere. It has molded itself on my deformities. I have many deformities. It is complacent to all my movements, and I only feel its presence because it keeps me warm. Old coats and old friends are the same thing. Victor Hugo. And then on the back are handwritten four words by somebody who I love. You are my coat. And I love to think that I may be somebody's coat, that I might play that role in somebody's life. And that idea of um, being molded, being shaped, and having that happen in love, having that happen as a gift, is actually uh, a big part of what I want to talk about as we get into the subject of habits. William James wrote a classic book with one entire chapter devoted to habits over 100 years ago. And he says that uh, we're capable of habits because of what he called plasticity. Plasticity is when you have a structure that is weak enough to yield to an influence or pressure, pressure, but strong enough not to yield to it all at once, too quickly or too much. So it's both stable but also capable of change. And he uses this as an example. Everyone knows how a garment, after having been worn a certain time, clings to the shape of the body better than when it was new. There has been a change in the tissue, and this change is a new habit of cohesion. You are my coat because coats have this property of plasticity. Paper does. If you fold paper one time, then the next time you fold it, it folds much more easily if you fold it along that same line. And we have that in our bodies. What is now talked about a lot is neuroplasticity. really comes from these observations by William James. You are my code. It's possible to change, to become a person who can convey and bring love to other people. Now, I start with this because I was talking last night, actually, with my wife, Nancy, and our friends, Gary and Jeannie. And I was all excited about this topic of habit and how central it is, how important it is. But... Uh, uh, all of them said, you know, the word habit to me just doesn't convey excitement and possibility and freedom. And Nancy in particular said, I hate habits. You got to find another word. It feels robotic. I wouldn't want somebody who just habitually says, I love you to me three times a day as though they were some kind of a robot. It feels like habits, getting my habits are in order is somewhere, something that another person would um, order me to do. There's no spontaneity in it. There's no freedom in it. I don't know that it actually brings about transformation. When I love to do something, I just love to do it, and I, I want to grow in it. I don't think of myself as this automaton who is devoted to you know militaristic, mechanical, superficial habit formation. So I want to take my best shot at that today because uh, this will be a very important journey for us. And I'll start with this. Uh, habit is inevitable. 
William James says, if our life has any form to it at all, if we have any character, good or bad, our life is basically a mass of habits. You could not live without habits. Look at a little child when first they are learning how to dress themselves. It takes all of their focused attention. When they're first learning how to walk, it is so difficult for them to figure out where do I put my foot and they fall and they struggle when we first learn how to drive. All of these things initially require all of our attention, but then because of the gift of habit, eventually we are able to do them without having to think about it. We can devote our attention to other more wonderful and glorious things. It is the case, in fact, that habit, when habit is used rightly, the purpose of habit is always freedom. I have a friend who took piano lessons for a few years when they were younger, but was never really able to master much of anything. And all they can do now is play the first line of an old hymn called Take Time to Be Holy. And it is robotic and it is mechanical. But I think about my friend Dieter, who used to play the piano when he would lead worship at our old church in Chicago. And he would do it with so much freedom and so much expression that there would be certain songs he was forbidden to play because people in the balconies would start to jump and it threatened the architectural integrity of the balconies. When he was all wound up, literally, I would watch this from the front row, sometimes there would be blood on the keys because he played with so much passion. Habit, when they are used rightly, um, give us freedom and power and enable us to think of what is glorious and most meaningful. Habits are really embodied values. For better or for worse. So, if we want to grow in any area of life, if you want to have a great football team or a great team at work or become a truly good friend, you are my coat. It involves habit reformation. Not because somebody else is telling you to do. Um, the habits need to be wise. They need to bring about transformation from the inside. But there is no growth in life. There is no power. There is no freedom without the reformation of our habits. So we're going to think together about what are the actual habits in my life and where are they serving me? See, the idea of habit is not that I serve my habits. It's that my habits serve me. William James actually talks about, I want to make my neurosystem, my, my synapses serve me. So how do I know what is a good habit as we begin to think about habits together? Well, the Bible, among many other things, is a book of habit formation or habit reformation. And we'll see that. The practice of the Sabbath, the practice of tithing, giving to the poor. In the Old Testament, the primary habit, the most important one was here. This is the foundational text of the Old Testament scriptures. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. Now, to be on, on our heart means that they're to be embodied so that um, I become an incarnation of love. I look at people and I love them and I give generously and I encourage and I challenge and I speak courageously and I do all of these things more and more as second nature. When something becomes a habit, um, there is my nature. Breathing feels natural. Eating is naturally to me. Well, when something is a habit, it becomes second nature. I clothe myself with it. There's a Catholic writer, Sullivan, who talks about how um, nuns wear what we call a habit. 
And the idea is that it's an article of clothing. It's a physical expression of a spiritual habit that they have made certain vows. And I'm not saying now you have to dress like a nun, so do not misunderstand me when it comes to what a habit is. Paul says in Colossians 3, as God's dearly loved children, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience, humility. What does it mean to clothe yourself with these qualities? It is to put them on so that they become second nature, so that they flow out of you, not rigidly, not robotically. They are on your heart. They are in your body. And then in Deuteronomy, uh, God gives these instructions to help these things become habitual. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Create an environment where you're getting prompts, cues. We'll talk about all of this that uh, remind you, love, love God, love life, love other people. Make love habitual. Now, um, there are two great dangers when it comes to habit formation. One is that we ignore it. And then our lives are just lived in random enslavement to our desires. Our desires create the habits that enslave us. That's the prodigal son, whatever I want, wine, women, and song. The other danger actually is the danger of the elder brother. Uh, I get real intentional about my habits, but then I pride myself on my habit reformation. And I, instead of becoming more loving, I become less loving. Jesus told that story, of course, to Pharisees. And they would uh, observe all of these habitual teachings in the Old Testament. They would fast twice a week and they would give a tithe of everything. But those ended up not being good habits for them because they actually made them less loving. See, the, 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 when you think about, is this a good habit? Ultimately, the question of, is this a good habit is, does it lead me to love? Freely, honestly, sincerely, from the heart. And I need good habits for that. Not so that I can be proud and have a list of, here's all the good habits I'm observing, but so that I can leverage the gifts that God has given to us in our bodies and our plasticity to become a person where that love is just in my heart. I think about with my wife, Nancy, when we had that very vigorous and energizing conversation last night. Earlier on in our marriage, if she would say something real clearly and directly and it disagreed with me, my habitual response was very often to withdraw and say, don't you understand? Your job is just to make me think I'm really, really smart. And to realize I can engage in conversation and listen and hear and learn and be open and also speak honestly and courageously back and remain connected. That is a habit that it has taken me a long time to grow in. And I'm still not nearly as good at it as she is, but I'm working on it because I want to be a coat. This coat that I'm wearing today means a lot to me because it was my dad's coat and it doesn't quite fit me. I'm still growing into it. The challenge today is to begin looking at the habits of your life and asking, what leads me to love? Write these words on your hand, Moses said. So today, my invitation to you would be when you look at your hand, I look at my hand and I think, God, it's looking more and more like my dad's hands. And think about my father's hand, my heavenly father's hands.
Every time I look at my hands, God wants to be loved. What a tender, vulnerable thing that is. Like a little note from a kid in middle school. Do you like me? Yes, no, maybe. God wants to be loved. That's why Israel loved that commandment so much. Our God, the God of the universe, wants to be loved and loves. I look at my hand, I wear my coat, and I remember I am loved by God. And I can be a source of love to other people. I can be a coat. See, love is habit forming. This journey, what we do each day, might become a habit for you. Love is habit forming. I love you. Hi, I'm Tim. Thanks for joining us. You mean so much to us as a community, and we hope that this series helps you build some new habits in your life to help you grow spiritually one day at a time. And we want to hear from you throughout this series. If you have questions, you can put them in the comment box wherever you're watching, or you can email us or text us. And at the end of the series, we're going to sit down with John and talk about some of your questions. For more resources, you can visit becomenew.me. And to spread the word, you can hit subscribe, share this video with a friend, or give us a review on podcasts wherever you're listening. We'll see you next time.